Hello and welcome to the third episode of the LGC Investment Series podcast. This episode was recorded at the annual LGC Investment Seminar, which was held at the Carden Park Country Hotel on the 27th and 28th of February 2020. Chaired by Local Government Chronicles Features Editor Martin George, this episode caught up with Andrew Burns, Associate Director at the Chartered Institute of Public Finance and Accountancy, who spoke at the event. If you enjoy these podcasts, don't forget to subscribe and have the latest episode delivered straight to your device each time we release. Hello and uh, welcome to this latest instalment of the LGC Investment Podcast. I'm Martin George, I'm the uh, Features Editor of LGC and I'm very glad to be joined by Andrew Burns, um, Associate Director at SIPFRA, the Chartered Institute of Public Finance and Accountancy. Um, who previously spent 12 years as Director of Finance and Resources at Staffordshire County Council and was Treasurer of the Staffordshire Pension Fund. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Okay. Hello, Martin. Good to be here. Thank you. Um, I want to kick off, perhaps, by just um, seeing what you thought the the big issues facing the um, local government pension scheme are at the moment. Okay. I think uh, there are some issues with the pension fund which have always been there, and that's about the long-term sustainability of the fund. And then there's, I guess, a more topical issue about environmental, societal and governance changes, ESG, sustainable investments. I think we'll talk about those two, those two things. So the first one, uh, and when I first joined Staffordshire as the treasurer of the fund, one of the pieces of advice I first had was pension fund is a long-term business. You've got to think about it over the long term. And that's about making sure there are sufficient returns from the assets which are invested uh, and the, re- the contributions from scheme members to pay for the future pension promises uh, of the members of the fund. And that's always been there. There have been challenges sometimes about the affordability of the employer's contributions, particularly when council budgets are under pressure. There have also been challenges about investment returns not being good enough to fund the future pension promises. But more recently, and in fact in the recent valuation, most pension funds are approaching being 100% funded, i.e. the sufficient uh, value of the assets to fund the future pension promise liabilities, but that goes in that goes in cycle. So that has always been there, uh, and I think that will continue to be to be there. And because a big chunk of the pensions are funded through uh, through taxpayers, local taxpayers through council tax, uh, and to some degree national taxpayers, that will always be under some public scrutiny. That hasn't changed. I don't think that will change. Uh, but the other issue, which I think is uh, topical but I think will also be long-term, is so-called ESG, uh, which is environmental, societal and governance challenges around investment. Uh, sustainable investment sometimes refer- refer- referred to. And the biggest topical issue there is about climate change and, and climate risk. So maybe you could say a bit more about each of those, if that would help. Yeah, I mean, I think especially... Um when you talked about employer contributions, I mean, I, a bit of research I was doing looking at council budgets this year, I've seen quite a few where their employer contributions are being reduced this year because of the, the valuation has shown they are better funded than they were. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on whether um, it could be short term um, to, to cut employer contributions, um, given, as you're saying, it's such a long term um, uh, issue for pension yeah. funds. Well, firstly, I, I would understand the desire of employers who have staff in the fund wanting to have uh, savings, if they're possible, in their employer contributions. Their budgets are under pressure for other for other things. Uh, but I think, more importantly, I think than 
the, the, what the level of contributions is. I think from my experience when I was the fund treasurer and also responsible for Staffordshire as an employer, employer of the fund, we wanted stable and predictable employer contributions that you could plan for and budget for. Uh, at the margin, there might be scope for them to be a bit higher, a bit lower in any particular valuation cycle, but generally having them stable over the medium to long term, I think, was probably what, what the right thing to do would be. So I'd be very cautious about, just because I've had a better valuation than previously, having a reduction, because if you follow it through, if next time, as a consequence of, I don't know, let's say coronavirus has mm. a major impact on, on the valuation of pension funds for a long period of time, you might be required to put pension contributions back up, which would be a bigger step up if you hadn't taken the, the step down. So I think stability and certainty over the longer term is probably a more important issue than short-term savings on contributions, albeit I recognise absolutely why employers might want to take advantage of that if that was a possibility for uh, for, for some funds. And no doubt a lot of elected members looking at very difficult annual budgets, you know, they look at the amount of money going to the LGPS and, and you know, they would very happily shave off £15 million, I think I saw at one council, by reducing the contribution by a little bit. So it's a case of really being able to justify keeping contributions where a- they are. Absolutely, yeah. And, and as a treasurer of the pension fund, your responsibilities are for the assets and liabilities of that pension fund first and foremost, and that's a separation from your responsibilities if you're the director of finance or the section one for one officer of the of, of, of the host local authority. So there's a, there's a, a tension a tension there. Absolutely. Now you mentioned ESG. Um, I mean we're at the LQC investment seminar today. Um, that has been a theme through I think all the sessions I've been to so far. Um, how do you see this developing for, for the LGPS? Okay. Uh, firstly, I think the way I think about ESG is they are a set of risks, environmental risks, which is the E, uh, societal risk, which is the S, governance risk, which is the, which is the G. Uh, and actually, there are risks for those issues for all asset classes that people are investing in, uh, irrespective of what they, what, what, the, what they are. Environmental risks aren't just about climate change. Uh, ESG investment isn't just about green technology and wind farms. Uh, every asset class you invest in will have some environmental considerations. Uh, every asset class you invest in will have an impact on society, and every asset class you invest in will be some governance issues. So, firstly, I think about them as a set of a set of risks. Now, responsible and sustainable investment, which I guess is often often quoted in the uh, at, at the same time. I guess the premise is, if you are investing ethically, you've got to give up some financial return in, in lieu of that ethical or sustainable investment. I'm not sure that's the case if you think about there's an environmental issue, a society issue or a governance issue for every asset class, whether that's green technology or motor vehicles or indeed investing in supermarkets or any other uh, asset class. That's the first first thing to say. I think the second thing that I I would say around, around that is we need to find better information and data sets to measure progress against those ESG issues. So typically... Uh, investment returns are thought of in terms of what are the, what's the cash flow I'm getting from my investment, what's the dividend stream from my shares, what's the income stream from my property investments, or the capital value of those assets, what's the share price, or what's the asset price. We, and we would be very, very good at measuring and tracking and monitoring progress uh, in those financial returns. But if we are serious about climate change, for example, I think we, we, we would need to be, there's a climate risk around all investments, uh, how do we measure progress towards more sustainability around climate. So 
Is it about measuring the carbon footprint? Is it about measuring the amount of carbon that's being produced versus the amount of hydrogen being produced, for example, by the energy source? Uh, is it about uh, thinking about uh, the sort of uh, impact on society of some of the things that you wouldn't immediately think about in, in terms of in terms of investment? So, so there's something about some data sets which would enable more consistent comparisons. Uh, I think we need to work with asset managers uh, and, and asset owners to try and get some more consistent data sets around that because I don't think they are that I don't think they're really there how, how do we know how we're doing in relation to those issues I think is a is a big challenge and I guess there's two ways of doing doing that typically one is about engaging with the investment industry to try and develop them or, or, or the other one is actually regulating forcing them to do it mm. or always the threat of what's called divestment i.e. taking your money out of particular asset classes uh, and much of the the public lobbying at the moment is about we should invest in green technology and we should divest from fossil fuels. Uh, but the transition from one to the other is 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 quite it, it can be quite can be quite difficult. So I think there's something about uh, having uh, better data sets and better information to enable us to track progress against how we're doing against those uh, against against do, those do, issues. Do you see a role for for government in in ensuring there are consistent measures and benchmarks in this? I mean, obviously. We've got climate change talks coming up, which the government is hosting. We've got the pensions bill going through and amendments related to climate change there. I mean, do you think this is something that will be imposed on yeah, the okay. school, or do you think it can be trusted to do this itself and to do it well? So, but, but by instinct, I'm a localist. So I, I, I would like to think that solutions can be developed uh, locally by the, 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 the pension schemes themselves, working with asset managers, uh, and, and others. Uh, government undoubtedly has a role to play, uh, I think, in setting strategic targets for the country and maybe having some uh, some regulation uh, as appropriate, and, and particularly with regard to, for example, taxation. Now, uh, the, 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 uh, many people would say that uh, some of our fuel and energy is too cheap, uh, and actually if you put taxes on it, you would reduce the consumption of, of that and have to have a more, more, uh, which have a, a, a bigger impact. So government does have a role to play, but I'd like to think that uh, the industry working uh, locally and with its partners can can if you like self help and self govern. But actually, if that isn't working quickly enough or well enough to meet whatever targets might come out of the uh, the Glasgow COP26 summit, for example, mm. we might need to go go further and faster. So. Uh, uh, but I think others would have a different view. Others would think you need central or national prescription. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen examples where that has worked and where that hasn't worked. I've also seen some good examples where, if you like, local self-governance and self-determination has led to better outcomes through that engagement process. But there's a big challenge there. Yeah. Now, one thing I've written about recently, it actually came up in the, the session that we've just come from uh, about climate change, was the idea that... Lots of LGPS funds now are seeing activists come along who are talking about climate change, um, huge public pressure on elected members to divest from fossil fuel companies. Is there a danger here that um, funds might be feel forced to make decisions which might win them you know, plaudits from campaigns, but actually, A, not get returns that the fund needs, and B, mean they can't actually engage in that transition you know, away from carbon? I mean, do, do you worry about too much pressure being put on funds to divest? No, I, I think, firstly, it, it's understandable that that pressure is there, and particularly for the LGPS, which ultimately are you know, public, public funds. It's absolutely right. I think funds need to maybe better explaining what they're doing and why they're doing it in their current investment strategies. Uh, and so, for example, take the divestment issue. 
uh, if a council pension fund divests its uh, interest in, let's say, a fossil fuel company, mm. uh, it basically it might sell shares on the stock market uh, and have to sell them at a, uh, at, at a discount compared with what they might otherwise be worth if they were kept for the longer term. The pension fund might lose money, which might have a negative impact on, 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 on the ability to fund future pension promises. The person who then goes and buys those shares might not use them as responsibly as the LGPS would have done so. So I think w- w- where the best role I think the LGPS would be through elected members is actually having good governance around making sure that the people managing those assets and managing those funds in those companies are thinking about these things for the, for themselves. So they have good governance arrangements in place. They are thinking about sustainability. They recognise the valuation of the assets that they're responsible for, if they don't deal with it properly, might ultimately be worth less in future than it, than it is now. And I think that penny, for me, I think is starting to drop. You might have seen recently in the press that BP have announced a major investment of its of its total assets into sustainable sources as it makes the transition from one to the other. I'm not here to defend BP, sure. but I think some big companies are now starting to change their behaviour and show that they're thinking about this in a more tangible way, which isn't so-called... Know, greenwashing, as it's often described, as greenwashing, which is, if you like, paying lip service to these issues but not really meaning it. Yeah. Uh, I think actually some 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 significant fund managers and significant major companies are starting to do some things in a more tangible way, which show they are taking it seriously. Now the challenge, I guess, is are they doing that quickly enough? And I think that's where there's possibly scope. But 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 I think uh, so. Council need to get better at explaining why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, and explain the complexities. It's not as simple as investing in wind farms and taking money out of fossil fuels. Your fiduciary duty as a, as a trustee of a pension fund is the long-term sustainability of that fund to fund the pension promises for the people who are members of that fund. Uh, and that isn't going to go away. It's not the first time councils have had dealt with these sort of issues. I recall uh, in my time as treasurer in Staffordshire, we had issues around uh, tobacco investments yep. alongside public health responsibilities. That, is, that They are similar, but I think Climate, the climate challenge is not going to go away, and it's got impact for the whole economy, not just the pension fund. So there's a, a couple of other issues um, while we're here. Um, pooling always comes up at, at, at these investment events. Um, do you have a sense for yet for whether pooling is achieving what it was supposed to do and, and whether we'll see you know, changes in pooling over the next three, four years, perhaps? Okay. So... Uh, Pooling was designed to do two things. Firstly, by putting assets together in uh, in, in in bigger buckets, if, if you like, a bit, a bit bigger bigger financial pools, you would get through economies of scale uh, cheaper costs and better investment returns. But there would be a transition from the current situation uh, in getting things into new pools. You got some setup costs and some transition costs. Uh, so, uh, and that business model, I don't think, has changed. Uh, I think the early signs are positive. People have contained the costs of transition within budgets and they've started to see uh, uh, an impact on some of the investment fees in some of the pooled vehicles. But actually, it hasn't quite proved itself yet because I think, I think it's too early in the cycle. But the early, signs are, the early signs are positive and there are more positive signs about progress than the negative issues based on my understanding. When I was still in Staffordshire, we were involved in the LGPS Central pool, uh, which I think is one of the those which were further forward than than some of the others, and that made a really really good start. So I think it's too, it's too early to to say. Uh, I think if they do work and do work as intended, there's something about what's the optimum size of these pools. Now mm. there were there were eight established, I think, in in, in England plus one in plus one in Scotland. 
uh, and I think one in Wales that might have to. Drink. I think Wales. So I think Scotland. They they've gone to pooling. I think they they seem quite reluctant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah, of course. Yeah, Strathclyde's one of the biggest funds in its own right. Anyway, okay. Uh, I stand to be corrected on that. Uh, are they are they the optimum size? Can what assets go into them? Uh, I think that's uh, that's still to be determined. I think what's really important though is that the the creation of pools for the investment vehicles uh, doesn't take away the really important local democratic political accountability of members of those pools to make sure they're representing the members in the place that they are providing pensions for. So in my case, it was Staffordshire and, and Stoke-on-Trent. Uh, yes, you can pool with the Westminster partners to share the investment costs and get better returns, but it's really important that the issues of Staffordshire Pension Fund members or Birmingham Pension Fund members or Herefordshire Fund members are, because they're different by mm. way of geography, they're different by way of the nature of the, the workforce they were supporting. It's important that democratic accountability locally is is still there. Uh, but I think, uh, but I think, uh, uh, I think the early signs are positive, but it's uh, it's 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 not proven yet as a mm. as a business case. But we wasn't expected to be at this point either. Yeah, there was a a wild thought somebody had um, at the conference earlier that um, with the government wanting to level up and have massive investment in infrastructure and with Rishi Sunak, the former LGPS minister now in 11 Downing Street, will they look and think, let's just make it into one big pool and use that to fund, you know, a big dollop of our you know, infrastructure investment up north? A wild guess, can you see that happening? Well, I mean, at, at the time of the establishment of the pools, I, know that, that, uh, I think they were called British Wealth Funds at one point. There was a, a notion of uh, major infrastructure investment being an important part of the driver for for that, that some funds have had a look at that hasn't really come up. The, it's 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 not incompatible for there to be a national infrastructure fund alongside sort of regional regional pools because the uh, the transaction costs of setting up infrastructure are potentially more significant than just putting it into existing investment sort of vehicles, and some of those might well be shared. So it wouldn't be impossible, for example, across the Northern Powerhouse or the Midlands Engine, where there's more than one pension pool mm. for them to come together and think about, would it be sensible for us to collectively think about an investment, uh, infrastructure investment uh, element? But there's no reason why that couldn't sit alongside the existing pools rather so, than... So you wouldn't need, you know, structural change think, mergers? Uh, no, because no, I think that would, be, uh, that would be really, really complicated to do, to do that to do, to do that again. Uh, but it, but no, if you've got, if you've got the... Uh, what is it? There's the Northern Powerhouse, the Midlands Engine, and the Southwest Gateway are the three sort of super regional sort of uh, areas of the country that are being talked about. Uh, and in each of those cases, they, their geography will cover more than one of the LGPS pools. Yes. I could see them sharing infrastructure investments in some sensible way uh, based on local, local need uh, without the need for creating a a national infrastructure commission. Sure. And a, a final kite that somebody flew, and, and I've no idea whether there's anything in it at all, um, people talking about the McLeod judgment, which is likely to involve big costs to public sector pensions. Um, th- there was a, a theory that, um, that the scale of this cost could force the government or give the government an opening to really look at how generous public sector pension schemes are. And you could see Daily Mail campaigns about you know gold-plated pensions and so on. Do you think there's a danger of that? Uh, I don't think so. If you if you take the sort of pensions as a long-term business, 
the, the cost of McLeod, and for, for those not familiar with it, basically this was a, a case with regard to judges and firefighters' pensions, which in moving from a defined benefit scheme to career average gave some protection to all the members of the scheme near retirement, and that was found to be age discriminatory against young, young members of the scheme. So therefore pension funds have more costs to, to, to put that right. Oh, we're talking potentially billions of pounds. Yeah, think, uh, but, but, but billions of pounds, yes, but actually probably about only 1% of the total value of the assets in the fund. So yes, it's a big number, but actually 1% of a big number is still, is still a big number. It's only, sure. it's only 1%. Uh, so over, over the long term, that probably can be, can be dealt with. And if you think about the level of investment performance, particularly over the last three or four years, where I think we heard today that the average performance uh, over the last th- three years has been a 10% growth in the value of the assets over that period. McLeod is a 1% increase in the total liabilities over 25 years. Uh, I think when you put two things alongside each other, you can see uh, it, it, it being easy to, easy to be absorbed. That's not to say there aren't administrative difficulties in coping with McLeod. If you have to go and backdate individual pensions for quite a lot of people, there's an administrative burden there. But from an, from an investment point of view and a cost of the fund point of view, I think that's something that can be absorbed in the long-term nature of pension pension funds, albeit there might well be short-term administrative challenges in terms of in, 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 dealing, in, in dealing with it. Fantastic. Well, Andrew, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. Thank you very much. This podcast was brought to you by Local Government Chronicle following the LGC Investment Seminar in February 2020. To find out more about the next events in our investment portfolio, including the annual LGC Investment Summit, which this year moves to Leeds, visit lgcplus.com forward slash investment. Remember to subscribe to this series and share this podcast with your colleagues, and we'll see you next time following the LGC Pension Insights Symposium, which will be held on the 9th and 10th of July in Stretford-upon-Avon.